If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 343, Nuno Espirito Santos, favorite formation of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is (laughs) Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Roman Sice of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. About four people listening to this will probably get those two references, but anyway, we're going to go away with it anyway. Um, So yeah, this is basically our our last... um, proper podcast of of the year um i appreciate everyone uh, joining in all year it's been one of, uh, i don't know if it's our biggest year because of the coronavirus actually like ruins everything because people are not driving to work and stuff but it's been a great year for us especially the last few months i think last week was our biggest ever week on spotify which was uh, absolutely fantastic and it's absolutely great so uh, if you haven't clicked to subscribe if you're just listening to this and you know you, you haven't subscribed as i said where you're watching it on, on youtube uh, or on spotify or itunes or soundcloud or wherever you are click the subscribe there we don't ask for it uh, much or, or that often you know it's free to do it anyway so do it and, and spread around and uh, and spread the love as well uh so the next two weeks or maybe even three weeks i'm not sure yet but we're going to have a award show myself and graham that's going to be out uh i think on the the first of the month for patreon subscribers and in the second uh, or the first of the year even and in the second uh, on a sunday as normal uh, for everyone else and then on christmas day we're going to have um Myself, Graham, and Andrew McGahan are going to be on the podcast to look back at the 10 years of, of Mixed Martial Arts Graham's podcast, so he's going to be running the show on that one. We've already recorded that really, really, really fun chat. I, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. It's brilliant. Andrew did a great job on that one. Uh, and then we'll have the 20 ball predictions the week after that as well. So the next three weeks in the books. It's, and we'll review in your in that podcast. We'll also review your 20 picks from, from yeah, last year. Sure, which squabble about which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which ones are correct. Yeah, it's a great squabble to that. So loads of stuff coming up over the next month. And I'm sure we get a, a few other things as well uh, in the in the bag. We have um, Speaker's Corner coming up as well. And, and all the podcasts with Harry. People love those Speaker's Corner podcasts and the, the Contender podcasts as well with Ian. So... Uh, lots of fun. I know you listened to a couple of them there yesterday, actually, Graham. What do you think of them? The Speaker's Corner's podcast? They're good, aren't yeah, they? The spe- yeah, the Speaker's Corner's very good. It's just it's something a little bit different. I think, uh, you know, you and Harry, uh, Powell, vibe off each other well. And, uh, yeah, I, I listened to about four or five of them in a row there yesterday. So uh, that must be uh, saying something good. Yeah, indeed, indeed it is. But anyway, let's uh, before we get into all the MMA chat, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, Badscape. Hey, fellas, this episode of the Severe MMA Podcast is brought to you by our, by our favorite producers of ball trimmers, Manscaped. Join the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming in leaving 2021 behind and entering 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. The special offer alert... Use the promo code SEVEREMMA for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. 4 million men already trust Manscaped 
time to join them. Uh, 22, 22 is on its way, and the last thing you want is to be the guy with pubes getting in your way of making this year your best year yet. 2021 sucked, and that's why Manscaped are making a splash and upping your grooming game. The Performance Package 4.0 headlines, uh, headline with our signature um, Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take down every pube in its path. The Manscaped engineered, uh, or Manscaped even engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligently functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's waterproof as well, so you can use it in the shower. Don't tell the missus, though. Just, just uh, you know, get get that shower head and get it all the way up for anyone. You can, you can blame, blame her for the hair. Blame, blocking the, blame the, her. The, Why are you nothing, doing that? Say, say, not, say fucking nothing. Uh, this tool is amazing, and I'm confident it's using the 4 fight though to leave 2021 and my gross pubes with it also. Also included is the weed whacker nose and ear hair trim to whack every hair up top and feel good while doing it. Uh, also in it, the Crop Reviver, Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant Moisturizer and Toner. This uh, hygienic bundle will also come with the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for your perfect package. Going into 2022, I'm confident about smelling like a, bil- a million bucks. You may be asking how... And I'm happy you did. I use the Manscaped Refined Cologne with the same signature scent that's in all of the Manscaped formulas. Uh, a great compliment to your collection. So use the code SEVEREMAY for 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. I'm all in on confidence and smelling good this year, this new year even. Join me with Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping. Code severe MMA at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code severe MMA. Happy New Year to your balls. Right, Graham, let's get uh let's get directly into the, the mixed brand. Actually, do you know what? The we we're coming up to 2022. I remember the day the 2012 Olympics were announced and thinking, oh, that's years away. You know, I was like, that's, that'll never happen. Or 10 years past 2012. How did how did that fucking happen? I actually don't understand this. It's weird when you're young, like, you know, 1979 or 1982 seems like when I'm born in 87, so it seemed like so long ago. And now, now I think, like, Jesus, that was 15 years ago. What yeah, the fuck happened? I heard someone saying the other day, if that 70 shot came out today, it'd be like 1997 or something. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, uh, but yeah, I, I I remember those days. But uh, yeah, anyway, but before we get into the, the fights from last night and stuff, uh, yourself and Andy were down at the uh, Dean Coughlin Charity Day yesterday. Uh, and there's a couple of interviews up with uh, Andy Ryan, John Kavanagh, and, uh, and Johnny Walker as well. Andy did a great job. Um, and I know there was lots of money collected. I think uh, John Kavanagh probably put out the, the, the number. He was kind of saying it in the interview there. Uh, at some stage, it'll probably take him away to, to tabulate it all. But a great day down there. Lots of stuff going on. Well, I think it's actually, it? yeah, you had to donate 100 or more oh, yeah. to the thing to be let in. Oh, very good. So well, it's up to 66,000 of 73,000 now. And and uh, SBG and John are going to... Uh, auction away one of or uh, connor's the boxing boots he used to train for the floyd mayweather bout so uh you know hopefully with that and if he, he said there's a few t-shirts and other signed items that people can bid on uh so yeah that should hopefully get it over to seventy three thousand and get in the, the in cockland the money he needs to to get over and get that treatment and hopefully get him walking again as soon as possible yeah. obviously it's a you know it's, it's a horrible 
tragedy, but but it's great to see the Irish MMA community come together. You know, we had like Andy Ryan down in SPG and Reds are doing the seminar and, you know, everybody doing their best to, to give Ian the fighting chance that he deserves. Indeed, and even the people here... Uh you know, they watched the video and signed up. We've donated all that money to the to the cause as well. It wasn't much, but everyone, you know, chipping in and doing it. And I know loads of people um, listening to the podcast and stuff, signed in as well, or, or uh, yeah. helped out as well. It was absolutely fantastic. So, fair. And if you haven't yet, uh, go on and you'll find it. It's all over Twitter and everywhere. Anywhere. The Ian Cockton GoFundMe. Um, I'll put the uh, description. Let's get well. Ian walking again. If you yeah. type in, let's get Ian walking again, or go to GoFundMe and type that in. Uh, it'll come up there. Yeah, I'll put the I'll put the link in the description here. So whatever you're listening to it, if you look at the description, you'll be able to see it uh, in in this podcast as well. So, but yesterday down there, you know, um, it was a good. I know Kieran Davern was doing a, a, a display and John Cavanagh and Owen Roddy and all the different lads. Good day, just milling around, being around with the lads. Good chats around there as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Walker was doing a, a striking class. We grabbed him for an interview as well. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was good to see everybody come together. And John was saying in the interview that like some people even, you know, donated 100 euro or more and couldn't even make it, but we're in a different country or like, you know, we're busy. So yeah, it's great to see, you know, everybody's, everybody's supporting. And, you know, hopefully this will give uh, Ian a, a boost, you know, uh, to keep fighting and obviously the fingers crossed that when we do make or when it does get to the 73,000 that obviously the the treatment is successful and all I think everybody in the Irish MMA community and the wider MMA community is is pulling for Ian like when we put up the interview with Andy I sent around a few tweets and stuff to people like Ariel saying oh can you retweet this and everybody was straight away like supporting and also it's great to see and you know just we just got to be positive you know Ian's just got to be positive and just take every day as it comes and it's, it's obviously a a terrible situation but he's a fighter so you know uh, hopefully he can he can get get walking again in the, in the new year yeah 100% like this is uh, it's a sort of thing that happens in every sport and it was bound to happen I'm sure it's happened before in MMA as well but we've seen it down through the years in rugby and you know in soccer and other in other sports as well as John Kevin has said in that interview and you know those people that you know they get behind theirs and we have to get behind ours as well and i think it's important really that like we have this small community and you know we we bicker at each other and we hate each other and even uh, you know john cavanaugh was saying himself and andy are fierce rivals on a saturday night but when something like this happens you know you come together and if it was um you know if it, if it was one of us or one of them or whoever it might have been you'd hope they dead would come together as well and you know pe- people do and they're absolutely fantastic uh and uh fair play to everyone you know myself and um Myself and Harry did a podcast actually the other day on, on MMA fandom. I think I think it's already gone out. I you know a lot of the times online we we see MMA fans and there's a lot of abuse and there's a lot of giving out and roaring even from us and me or whatever. But to, under it all, MMA fans are very good. They're good people. They're nice people. They enjoy their sport. You know they they put a lot of effort into it. They put a lot of time into it, and they're good people. And you know if you need help, they'll fucking help you out. And I think that this has shown that and other things as well down through the years. Have uh, have absolutely shown it. So fair play to uh, you know, fair play to the community. People rag on MMA fans enough. I I don't try to do it that often, to be honest, because I I I've kind of seen this before and heard it before. But I I think we're a great bunch altogether, and fair play and, and this sort of thing shows. It. And as you said, hopefully um hopefully Ian can get over the line, get that treatment, and get him get him back walking again. I know it's a long road, whether it works or whether it, you know what whatever happens, but um you know it'll be maybe a little bit easier with uh with everyone helping out so fair play to uh to everyone as well, as well there um and and as i said keep giving 
Um, keep keep if you haven't done it yet, it's not too late. You know, there's still uh, the, the most important steps, I suppose, are, are to go to get over that line and to get over to the seventy two grand. So, uh, if you could help out now, it would be absolutely perfect. One one thing I want to talk about, you know, from the the interviews yesterday, there was a lot of stuff. You know, John was talking about, um, you know, I suppose to to move on to the the MMA side of it. Uh, John was talking a little bit about um. Uh, about McGregor versus Oliveira, you know, we had the, the Jamal Hill versus Johnny Walker thing, which I thought was very funny, Johnny Walker replying to the tweet, I don't want to talk about that, uh, it's not signed yet, I was like, well, you've already done the interview, Johnny. Well, in the interview, he didn't even say it was signed, he yeah. said it, there was it, there was talk of it, and yeah. that was what John said as well, so yeah, I think maybe, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, he's a bit worried that the UFC might jump down his throat, yeah. maybe. Oh God, there's a lot of that recently with fights and things, but um, do you see your John talking about, the IMAF stuff, do you know, like, uh, you're better off going to the IMAF, doing it the right way, talking about Kieran Clark this year, uh, than doing, like, the local scene and having fights every weekend and stuff, which is, I think it's an interesting debate, man. maybe a debate for, uh, maybe well, it's, kind of, it's kind of both, I think, it's, you kind of start on the, the kind of Irish scene, and then you, once you've kind of established yourself on the amateur scene, then you can kind of go to the IMAF, so I, I took, I took that from what he was saying, I don't think he was like, don't bother doing the, the Irish scene I think it was like you know you need to go to the IMAFs and fight the kind of top amateurs in the world before turning pro I think yeah. was more what he was saying well yeah I suppose you can you, you, you I didn't I don't think he did say that but I think you have to do that so like you I'm not going to say he didn't say it but I, I, I actually agree with him on most of what he said like I, I think this thing about like you know he said, oh, people being handed belts at amateurs and thinking they're some sort of champion and then thanking their sponsors and having their T-shirt and stuff. That's the thing that I think a lot of people, um, a, lot, a lot of people like John have said down through the years. And I think it's it's very, very true. Like, I think if you're an amateur MMA fighter, you should be an amateur MMA fighter. You know, you should do it to learn your trade, to move up to get to become a pro and then start all of that, you know? I And I would 100% agree with, with what he said there. The, 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 the thing with, like, just IMF way, like, Ian Gary didn't come through the IMF. He's our best prospect that's come through in a long, long time. Others did. I, I think it's different for ev- everyone, but I, I don't think if it says IMF, if it says Cage Legacy, if it says Clan Wars on it, as long as you're getting fights, I think fight, 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 fight. Look at Shauna Bannon this year. She did both. I think she was in the IMAS and then she went into the other place. Max Lally is doing lots of fights all over the place. Uh, all the amateurs come through. I think with the scene kind of coming back now with Cage Legacy putting on fights, there's loads of fights up in the north. Seems like there's fights up in the north every week. Get your fights. Get loads of fights. As everyone always says, it yeah, doesn't matter. Treat it like jiu-jitsu nearly, just yeah. like hop into any tournament you can, basically. Yeah. And uh, maybe we, we'll, we can speak about Dean Barry now as well, I suppose. But I, I think experience is just a massive thing in MMA and an underrated thing in MMA. Like, if you're, getting, if you're given the opportunity to get experience, get it. It's not that easy to get fights. Like, you don't need a fucking six-month camp or a four-month camp to have an amateur fight. You know, you're not getting paid for this. It doesn't, it doesn't go on your, your record. You, if you lose, you lose. You could have a, you know, you might lose by submission, or you might lose a decision. Have another fight in two weeks' time. You might win that one, and you might win five or six in a row over the space of a year, or two years. You might be good enough to to go pro. Like that, that is what the amateur game should be. If you're a pro, okay, different story. Put your camps in. You're getting paid. It makes a big difference. But uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with what John said, and on that part of his own, I think it's a, it's a big. It's a big thing in, in MMA, and we, we, you know, looking at the amateurs this year doing the awards and everything like that, and, and Quilcha did a fantastic job for us, and since he's come on with Severe MMA, I think 
that scene has been covered so much better. He's doing an absolutely fantastic job. So fair play. If no one's, if you're not following uh, Quilce de Barra over on Twitter and following the stuff that's going up on Severe May with him, you, you definitely should be and keeping an eye on the people who are, uh, you know, the next wave and on the way up. So um, yeah, if if, uh, if you go to the the navigation bar at the top of the homepage, SevereMay.com, there's an events there with just Irish events, and and Quilce has been updating the the previews and the the cards and the results and all so uh i know that that page has been uh, dormant for a few years before <laughs> but uh anybody anybody who used to use it and and uh grew tired of refreshing it and never seeing an update well you, you might see some updates <laughs> now. Update now uh indeed well, let's talk about dean barry before we move in we're on irish mma we might as well stick on irish mma for a second he had a win at the weekend look his opponent everyone everyone knows he was supposed to fight was a hugo Pereira, who's eight and four Dean is 3-1, absolutely nothing wrong with that matchmaking, a little bit tough even, <laughs> maybe, uh, over in Titan, he was supposed to fight Mike Jackson in the UFC, Dean says that like he didn't have enough fights and they wouldn't uh, wouldn't sanction him, I don't believe that to be honest, because there's people being sanctioned with that same amount of fights, maybe he would have had to go to File Island yeah. or something, it's... it's well, maybe the UFC are telling them, telling them that, maybe, <laughs> just yeah, popping maybe, them maybe off, like, like, yeah, yeah, go in there and get a few more fights, You're, this one doesn't seem to be happening, uh, so yeah, but he went out and he got... Uh, he did, uh, Hugo Pereira fell out of the fight um, had like a week to find someone else the only guy they could find was a can who had, I think it was like what was his record 5 and 27 or something like that uh, so the guy came out went for a double uh, an ankle pick kind of took Dean down a bit uh, and Dean just hit him with like 3 or 4 short, short shots uh, and the guy turtled up and uh, and lost Um Look, the fight itself, it, it was a complete mismatch, overmatch. Dean was always going to win it. This guy, he came in to lose and he lost and, and that was that. But I, 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 loads of people are criticizing it and everything. And you can criticize the fight if you want, no problem. But from Dean Barry's point of view, right, this guy's been looking for a fight for ages. He was supposed to fight in the UFC against Mike Jackson. No, he was supposed to fight in the UFC first out in Fight Island. It didn't happen. Then he was supposed to fight against Mike Jackson. It didn't happen. There was visa issues and all that. Then he was supposed to fight him again. I think Mike Jackson got injured, and then all of this stuff happened with the, oh, you need, you know, he's the only guy you can fight in the UFC, you're going to have to get a fight somewhere else. He went over to Florida to fight in Titan, or in, was it Puerto Rico or somewhere to fight in Titan? That fight fell out, then he came back to Ireland, left his gym, then went and trained in Sanford MMA for a while, his opponent pulled out. What did you expect? Like, did you expect him to say, no, no, I'm not fighting that guy because his record isn't good enough? In fairness now, you have to look at this context. It, it's been a, a 18 months of setback after setback after setback for Dean Barry. He needed to get a fight under his belt. He got a fight under his belt. And uh, you can't, if you criticize him for that too much, I think you're, you're, looking, you're looking beyond it. Also, he's only 3-1 and one in his career. He needs experience. I talked about experience earlier on. He, he hasn't fought that much. He's been a pro for a good while now. He fought Anthony Taylor back in Batman. It feels like about five years ago. Um... He needs experience. He needs wins on his record. Okay, you want a better, uh, better opponent? Maybe get Hugo Pereira the next time and move on to five and one. Uh, but I uh, look in the best case scenario, you wouldn't want this matchup. But we had the worst case scenario right here, right now. And Barry took the fight, and I'm not going to criticize him for it. Um, and I, I, look, I think people need to calm down. Well, what do you think of the whole situation, Graham? Yeah, I think it's not his fault at all. Like, I don't know why people would be criticizing him. He, he went in, signed a fight contract to fight a different guy. It fell apart. He, you know, said he wanted to still fight. The promotion wanted him to still fight. And this is the guy the promotion got. So he went in there and finished him. Obviously, it's not, you know, 
it shows us nothing new about Dean or anything like that. But you know, he's as you said, it's been a it's been a hard you know just because he signed for the UFC doesn't mean everything's rosy. It's been it's been a hard couple of years for him. You know, you uh, probably needed a bit of a payday as well. You, you need to forget about you can't forget about that. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on and in in his life, and he hasn't been fighting, which is his main source of income, I'm sure. So, you know. Uh, <sighs> He's obviously not gonna like the, the criticism would have been more way more justified if he had have pulled out of the fight and refused to fight that guy. I thought I think people would have been more up in arms and uh, would have had more uh, reason to be. So it's just a no, no win situation for uh, you're going to be criticised either way. But uh, in, in my opinion, there's no criticism for him. He went in and did his job, and you know uh, the promotion wanted to put on a different fight, he signed to fight a different guy and these things happen in MMA where you you know, you scrape together a last minute opponent, whoever you can get and that's what they did. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Also as well, before we uh, move on maybe to the uh, to the UFC itself, um, it was reported by our, ourselves we reported it this week and, and I think PT as well broke the news first around the same time um, <laughs> Liam McCourt and Sinead Kavanagh is, is that, it's not official yet um <laughs> it's it's a weird one. It, 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 uh, look, uh, I, I think Leah put up something there last night on Instagram. It was like I'll I let the people talk or whatever. So I don't know whether that means like it's not happening or whether it is happening or what. But uh, look, I believe uh, we wouldn't be reporting it unless we had sources saying <laughs> well, it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, Bellator are looking to make it happen. All you know, sources. Yeah. Say, also, so. Bellator PR their official PR um, Twitter put it out and said that, and they retweeted my tweet where I said the fight's happening so you can you can take from that that it you know that they're definitely target they're looking at Bell- an official bellator page just put it out there so look if, if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't but they're 100 percent definitely targeting i know contracts have been uh sent and signed you know mostly um so it'll be uh it, it'll be it, uh, look to me I was a little bit surprised that it, it did happen. I know a lot of people, especially involved in it, thought, thought it was inevitable. John was asked about it by Anthony, wasn't he? He said it was kind of inevitable as well. And I'm a bit surprised they, th- they all thought it was inevitable. I thought they would have kind of avoided each other and everything. And I've been a guy down through the years who's been very much in favour of Irish people fighting. And I know <clears throat> that's probably because I, um, I was kind of adjunct to the Irish scene for a long time, I suppose. But I don't know. It just feels like... Did, I know they've trained together before. They're not training partners as such. You know, um, Leah was with SVG Charleston. I believe she's not there anymore. She's back with Team Torres now and training other places. And um, Sinead is, is official SVG, SVG HQ under John Kavanagh. So, look, you know, it's two ladies from the similar part of the world with similar rankings in the exact same division fighting each other. It's going to be one hell of a fight. Like, this this should be main event really I, I think I know that the world title fight is there and all but maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know maybe it should have been on another card as the main event in, in Ireland or something I don't know maybe, maybe not but um, it's a bit it's a bit of an odd fight I thought they especially with Leah right because Leah is ranked number four in the world I think right now at the moment Cyborg doesn't have that many challengers and I know Leah's not there yet she probably said that herself she maybe she's a year two years away and five or six wins away from being ready to, to even challenge Cyborg never mind beat her and you're but she's ranked number four in the world there aren't that many people she should be probably if you're Bellator you should be lining up Leah McCourt to fight Cyborg by putting her in there with Jeanette Kavanagh 
who just beat Cyborg, who is, I, I would say, a bad matchup for Leah. Now, Leah, in, as well, at, in ways, could be a bad matchup for Sinead because it's this is very much the grappler versus striker matchup. We all know that. But it, it just feels a bit odd from Bellator's point of view. I don't know. What, what do you think of the fight? I've, I've gone on and just meandered there on different thoughts. But um, what do you think of it? Yeah, well, usually I am against, you know, uh, Irish guys or Irish uh, gals fighting each other uh, outside of kind of very early on in their careers and amateur, no problem with that. But, you know, uh, thinking about it, if it is in the three arena and, you know, we'll have like kind of half the arena or whatever uh, on one side and half the arena on the other side, that I, it does bring back good memories of old like cage contenders and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's going to be some atmosphere and stuff if it does happen. But I, I've said over the over podcasts with you in the previous months and years about Liam McCourt kind of taking it slow and this definitely isn't taking it slow, you know. Sinead's just coming off a title shot and, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult fight for Leah, I think. Uh, I think w- w- with a few more fights, it, 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 like, you know, it might be a fight that she could, she could win, um, be more likely to win than she is now. So I think this is... You know, if if this does happen, this is a a difficult fight for Leah. But you know, she definitely has methods of victory. But yeah, I I I don't really like when Irish fight Irish uh, at this stage of their careers. But you know, with the with the Bellator division not being that deep, and you know, uh, I can understand why Bellator are doing it. And you know, uh, uh, the more I kind of it sinks in, the less I the less I'm kind of like uh, I wish this doesn't happen. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how how it looks and what yeah. happens in the fight. I, I think as the fight comes closer, and as we think about you know Leah versus Sinead, fighter the fighter Leah versus the fighter Sinead. I think we'll all be kind of looking forward to it. It's just when we yeah, think about yeah, that, the person. The initial yeah. kind of like, oh, somebody's <laughs> going to lose here. Like, Because yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I, I was, a, you know, above a Bellator last day. And I remember I came out of the elevator one stage and I met Leah and I was talking to her for three or four minutes or whatever. I was rushing to get out to the media there or whatever. And then, like, at the end of the media day, Sinead was there and I was talking to her for maybe 10 minutes or something. It's like, Oh, that's weird. It's just it's weird. it's weird. I don't know. We we don't usually get into a situation where there's like people we know and have known for years. And okay, we're not best friends with them or anything, but you know, it, I don't know. It's it's just a bit odd. It's just and we don't find ourselves in this situation very much. I know when we have in the past, I suppose, in you know, it's a situation like it's Queeley versus uh versus Miles Price where they kind of hate each other and you know, one's a rat and you know, it's and or it's Joe McCulligan, the SBG hunter and you know, there's a rivalry there. But this one it feels like there's no rivalry and I don't know, it's but by the time it comes, I think we'll all be looking forward to the fight. And it's great, it's great. It's, it, you know, it's great that Irish MMA has come this far, that we have two women right at the very... I'm, for women's MMA in Ireland as well, it's absolutely fantastic that we have two women this brilliant in Irish MMA. And, you know, from Ashing Daly coming up and Danny Nealon on her way up and Shauna Bannon on her way up as well and Dee Begley and, and, and Keo Sullivan and everyone else. It's it's a fantastic time for uh, for Irish MMA and women's uh, MMA in Ireland as well. And, um, yeah, I, I you know, what more can I say? You know, we might as well, while we're on it, we might as well speak about the, the Bellator Dublin card altogether. Now, there's a big issue here as well, and I suppose we have to start it with this, that the card was announced... And then 12 hours later, the government restrictions changed where indoor events can only have a thousand people. Um, indoor events the size of the one in the three arena anyway. And that's gone up until, I believe, the middle of January. Now, 
I'm no fucking virologist or a <laughs> numerical expert or anything like that, but by the sounds of the way things are going with this Omicron, that they're thinking the numbers are going to be at their biggest by then, and then maybe come down as we go into February. If they're at their biggest by then, they're probably going to extend this lockdown kind of uh, our restrictions by by another while. Bellator is in the 25th of February. I would think it would be very, very, very touch and go whether this is, uh, happens. I would suggest it won't happen, to be honest, if I was to, um, uh, if I was to bet, bet, to be honest. But I would suggest it won't happen with full crowds anyway. If Bellator would like to do it with a thousand or with half the crowds, I think uh, they, they could do it. But I'm not sure they're going to actually want to do that. So, yeah, with these these newfound restrictions and all, I think it, it'll be touch and go uh, as a car, do you, what, what would your call be in a gram? Do you think that the event will actually happen because of these change restrictions? I mean, I know, as I said, they're going to <sighs> middle of January at the moment, but then the numbers could be massive by then. I don't know. It's it's just impossible to know, really. <laughs> like trying to predict when this when this like kind of pandemic is going to rear its head, when it's not, is just impossible. Basically, uh, you know, you'd hope that by you know end of February it'll be it'll be lifted but you know if they were to extend it for another month after that which is you know they've done in the past then it would put it in serious jeopardy and people flying into the country and you know trying to quarantine and all this stuff is just uh it could get very messy so we i think we just got to wait and see i, yeah. I, I just don't think there's any way in that one really yeah I, I would tend to agree with that um i suppose though the card we we do have <sighs> musassi versus vanderfort uh, I'm kind of surprised that's happening in Dublin, to be honest. Um, wouldn't be one that would get me to travel to Dublin. Mike Hayes versus TJ Linderman, uh, <laughs> yeah. where there's, there's nobody left. Yeah, it could be. I'd like it could I think be. I Musasi has a bit more pull than that, but uh, it might it might not be oh that extensive God. of a of a walk out. Because Musasi, like Musasi and Vanderford's fights recently aren't exactly the most blow away fights in the world. Um, but Musasi does have a bit of a name, you know. He does. Uh, he fought in, in Belfast as well, didn't he? In that one, and yeah, it's a fight. Like let's let's keep that fight for somewhere else. Let's give us a, maybe a better fight. I know, like I think it's uh, these Bellator tournaments. I'm pretty sure they have to be on in America, but they really should have given a few of them fights. Put the Gallagher fight on it. Um, you know, put put maybe a Horiguchi fight on it or Apache Mix fight you know Apache Mix was fought in Ireland the last time I think it'd be smart to maybe put him back on it again I don't know but I know they probably can't do that but yeah it's a bit weird I also think the Queely versus Ken Musa fight is just senseless to me like you you have Queely he's this big star give him a name like give him, give him someone in the ranking give him a Benson Henderson or someone like I, I don't know. It's to me, it's just senseless. Like it's a, it's a good fight. I think it'll actually be a good fight and all that. And you know, you get the Queely walk out, and he'll probably be favoured to win it. But come on, you can't fight Patricky twice and then go and fight Ken Musa. Like uh, I don't know. It's just look. The last time Bellator came, and maybe that they, they gave the matchmaking a bit too hard. <laughs> trying and at least in the Leah versus Sinead one, there's a guaranteed Irish winner there. <laughs> so, so they'll have a few Irish. <laughs> <winners> there, <so. laughs> now we know what they're thinking. <laughs> what they're thinking? Oh yeah. So uh, I what don't if know. It ends up a draw. <laughs> it ends up a draw. Yeah. Could, it could do. It could. But uh, I look. I, I'm complaining about a world title fight in Ireland. I can't complain too much. I suppose. But uh, yeah. I don't think it'll happen anyway. So I. I you know it's weird. I was going to do a break. It's it's good that Bellator, though, are, 
you know, looking at what John kind of hinted at, they were kind of back and forth about whether they're going to do one show or two shows. So it's good that they're kind of at least trying pandemic and coronavirus permitting to to keep the two shows a year, which is which yeah. is great for us. And what John said about they were going to do September and then the change of minds, that's 100% true. I'd heard that. Um, I think I think I might have mentioned it somewhere, but yeah, I, that was a hundred percent true. And they changed their their mind kind of last minute to do another one, but yeah, it might backfire a bit. Maybe move this car to the summer. It's probably maybe a bit wiser. Uh, but um, yeah, we we'll see what happens with all of that anyway. Down through uh, down through the years, I know Derek Kelly's on the card as well. He's fighting Jordan Barton. Um, and there's someone else on it as well. So, yeah, you'd love to see uh, all the, the usual suspects on that card. Maybe get a couple of the Rhino guys on it. Maybe there's a couple of Team KF guys and lads from up the north as well. You'd love to see on it. Let's, let's you know, let's do that. Uh, but, not, and, uh, yeah, see how it goes. Anyway, right, let's get to uh, the UFC. We'll, we'll talk about KSW as well, the top two fights. I want to talk about Wonderboy, first of all, because, okay... It was obviously very disappointing that for me as a, as a big Wonder Boy stand that it's like uh, the ghost of Stephen Thompson here. He's not the same fighter he once was. But Jesus, this fight was just so bad. Like uh, this anti-fighting. Did you, did, like, oh. Did, do you think? Do you think it was definitely? It was Small definitely case. you know well. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely a well implemented game plan. But you know the what the ease with which he he took down you know Wonder Boy got in on his hips even like and just Wonder Boy just seemed a little bit more disinterested uh, to me. He didn't seem as yeah. motivated. Maybe he just seemed to accept it. Like uh, maybe this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Which is which is you know uh, I know he's getting on in age and all, but he says after the fight he he still has title aspirations. But to me, it you know he didn't look the same. And obviously you said the ghost of of uh, we said the ghost of Anderson Silva in the past, and we're, and we're saying the ghost of Wonder Boy here. But I think. You know, he might be slowing down a bit, but to me, I think it seemed to be more than that. It seemed to be just accepting the position on the ground and maybe not, uh, you know, not wanting it as much as maybe he did in the past. And maybe I'm misreading that, you know. Oh, uh, you're right. It, yeah. I, I it kind of contradicts what he says after the, after the fight about still having title aspirations, but... You know, he definitely, he definitely didn't look at himself in, in any like way. It. The dog doesn't like it. Yeah. You know, the dog that it's, it's, it's a sad him. day for everyone when, when the Wonder Boy is looking, looking like an OAP. <laughs> it is Wonder Man. Uh, uh, you know, Jack Black will have to write that new song. It'll be fucking Wonder Granddad soon. But yeah, he um, he look, he definitely didn't look the same. Anyone who's watched Wonder Boy over the last six or seven years knows the way he fights and knows what he looks like when he's at his best. And that wasn't it. Like, we all we all know that. They're like, Bilal Muhammad's a very good fighter, an underrated fighter, but someone the level of Bilal Muhammad five years ago wouldn't be near doing that to someone like Wonderboy. He's, and look, we forget as well, he's had lots of fights down through the years uh, in in uh, kickboxing, he bouts, I know you'll probably correct me. He's um, a lot of wear and tear in that body. He's older as well, like he's, and it's, you know, time waits for no one. And we've seen this coming over the last while, you know, the Gilbert Burns fight wasn't great. Um, you know, when you get knocked out to Anthony Pettis like that, it's probably the, the start of it. He's looked good since, you know, in, in fights in between, you know, he fought Luke K and other guys and beat him. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's it's sad. Look, Wonderboy is built on speed and movement. The one, the biggest thing I thought, and I agree with you. Look, he got into um, positions on the ground where he could have burst out of him, got to a hip, pushed away, or pushed the head down when Muhammad was uh, again against the cage against him, and and you know, no made urgency, of, no, no urgency, urgency at, at all. all. I thought the biggest problem though was the lack of urgency on the feet. Like he looked like Anthony Pettis in there, and that's the worst thing I could say about him. Like he was getting backed up to the cage, taken down. Where's the sideways movement? Yeah, his corner screaming at him, like "Don't let him push you back! Don't let yeah. him push you back!" And he's just not. He's the listening. He's the greatest fighter we've ever seen to fight off the cage, and he couldn't do it once last night. Not once. Like that's just not Wonderboy. That is not him. And the small cage absolutely did not help. And Bilal Muhammad did a fantastic job of getting straight in there and cutting off the cage and not letting him, you know, Bilal took the fight away from him, but Wonderboy, he, 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 he made Bilal Muhammad's wrestling and grappling look like fucking Usman. Exactly. There wasn't a second where Bilal Muhammad had to even like, think about oh this is going to be a bit hard he it was hard for Wonderboy for the whole fight it was easy for Bilal Muhammad for the whole fight basically you know it was it, it was just it was not the, the Wonderboy you know and whether it's a lack of motivation whether it's him getting old it doesn't matter that's just the fact of the matter and look fair play to Bilal he did what he did but I, I think when you f- meet a Wonderboy who is like that bad looking you have to finish him you know, to, to be Bilal and to put yourself in that next position. And he didn't. He almost did towards the end of the second round. But I don't know. Just like Bilal was getting in positions on top and he was just laying there. And I think with the two minute mark of round two, or like two minutes, six seconds for about 10, 12 seconds there. He was throwing these little bunches, and I was like, this is not good enough, lad. You're, you're going to have to do something else. Like, oh God. We, we need as well in MMA, and I, I think this is a big thing, and this is something I'm going to be beating the drum of, like, uh, like judging for years to come. We need MMA to adjust the rules to make action the most important thing. We cannot let lads sit there in a Kimura for three fucking minutes. If a Kimura's not not there, if or a straight arm or whatever it might be, if a guy's laying on top, whether it's fucking mount, side control, whatever it is, and he does nothing for two and a half, three minutes, we need to move that position. We need to stand him up. We need to get this fight going. Because MMA needs it. Like, MMA, because it's becoming so good in terms of technique and tactics and all of that, it's becoming... A more predictable, more boring sport. We need to stop that. But then, at it, all if, costs. if you do, if you do put limits on, like kind of how long you get on the ground or whatever, then people are just going to hold on, like Dustin Poirier tried to do to Oliveira and yeah. just try to nullify, and that's going to be really boring in itself. And then, you know, Oliveira shoots in another takedown, and the same thing happens where Poirier holds on, for example, and that's just the fucking fight then. Yeah, but that that's going to happen. Like, if, I don't know. It, like, why why does the bottom fighter or the top fighter get? that did that nullification advantage like if anyone's nullifying it we need to stop that like Bilal Muhammad was on top yesterday just nullifying the fight for long periods like if well, Poirier, like he was he was throwing shots he, he like he, he, oh, he yeah. wasn't there for long periods it was and like, like at the end of the first round shots. he threw a lot of shots they were kind of oh, yeah. 90% blocked by the gloves oh, 100%. Of, uh, Wonderboy. 100% there was but, definitely times he was doing it I'm not saying he was doing it for 15 minutes full stop I'm not saying that at all but there's times when you have 2 to 3 minutes of just nothing nothing happening in the fight there's no and Bisping was saying about a 10 I didn't think there was any 10-8s in this fight to be honest I know a few judges gave him Oh my god! It was just... well in the first round. Wonderboy kind of stunned him on the feet uh, very early on, a little bit I thought, and yeah. then obviously it it went really downhill after that for pretty much the rest of the fight, uh, barring like a, f- a few moments in the in the third round. 
But um, like, I think when you when you bring in like things like that, people are just going to find a way of around it just to make it, you know, just to hold on and just make it boring. And you know, but that's uh, all we have now. But like we have scramble, like I know Wonderboy and like the fight is a bad example because he didn't really try to create great scrambles. Even you know, uh, Bilal Muhammad was probably expecting him if he if he tried to pass to mount or try to pass the side control to to hip out or to try something. But I don't think Wonderboy would have. He was just kind of you know uh, happy enough. It yeah. seemed to to be there and not to not to try and get not to try and get up. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe he's carrying an injury or something. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I prefer them to let them fight it out and, unless it's just gotten ridiculous where it's just a guy, you know, not even trying to to advance position or land shots. But I think Bilal Muhammad did just enough, like, to be honest. I, I, think, I think the biggest problem is we are letting it get ridiculous before we're breaking them up. I, I think letting it get ridiculous is too much. We've already gone too far in. Like oh really? And it's not just it's not just on the ground. I think there should be more warnings on the feet as well if people are not hitting each other. Now we don't see that that often because there's usually either both people are landing or one guy is landing or whatever. So we don't see it as much, and it's it's a lot harder to stall on the feet, I suppose. So it might sound like I'm all anti wrestling or whatever, but I'm not. If like Habib, if you have Habib style where you're landing massive shots and you're you know you're dominating someone, or like a Charles Oliveira where you're landing those big elbows, you're going for submissions. No problem. I love the ground game. The ground game's brilliant. But when you're doing fucking nothing for ages, and I think as well the biggest problem is right. We have this we have this love with positions like the mount or or if you're in a you know if you're in a rear naked choke or if you're holding on to a submission or something like that that like we cannot change that position it's that's sacrosanct i i think we need to leave that behind like if you're not finishing the fucking choke within the first four minutes, you're not, you know, you're, it's not going to finish. Do you, think, do you think we have enough good refs that can actually judge the situation and not, you know, completely fuck it up At when guys are level, close yeah. to finishes? At do you really? Because, like, the, the award-winning best ref of the year is, is Herb Dean. Yeah, so. he's rubbish. But you, you get Mark Goddard in there, you get Jason Herzog, you get Keith Peterson in there, there's three refs. They can do every fight every night. Let's do that. That's perfect. Yeah, but just in the UFC, you're gonna have different rules to every everywhere else in MMA. No, but no, but you can like there's there's enough refs. Like there's enough refs around the place. Fly lads in from outside. You know, there's there's some very good referees around here in 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 the UK and Ireland and Europe as well. I think like refs and judges and stuff should be flown in so we can have the best in the world at all these different events. Like you know, I've I've no problem with that. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just the thing that I'm. You know, caught on. It's not just because it's Wonderboy as well. This is the thing I've been talking about for a while, and I I think it it's really important to the sport. I think it's really really important to the sport. But anyway, we we'll, we we'll leave it behind. Maybe it's a discussion, a longer discussion for another day. Maybe on speakers corner even it's one here. But anyway, let's talk about the uh, the, the main event. God Almighty, talking about bad performances. Chris Chris Dock has just got in there striking with their Derek Lewis for three and a half minutes and then getting knocked out. God Almighty, I don't know. <laughs> like, looked like he was trying to do some Steven Seagal shit at the very start or something with his hand. What the fuck he was doing? Didn't even bother going for a takedown in any sense. I actually thought Derek looked very good. Although, when Dawkins was kicking his leg, like, Derek Lewis is a bit like myself. He's a big, big man, but he's a bit soft. Like, you know, I think if he got kicked five or six more times in that leg, there wasn't much coming back from it. He threw a right hand at one stage and it was miles off. So I think he could have kept kicking him in that leg, but he just didn't. And God almighty. 
this wasn't this wasn't a great performance from Chris Dawkins, and I picked him. I thought he'd win, so I respect him and I respect his game a lot. But not to go for one takedown, not to keep kicking that leg, and to get knocked out by by Derek Lewis in that fashion. Like okay, to get knocked out by Derek Lewis, most people do get knocked out by Derek Lewis, and we have to respect Derek. He's he's gone over and above. I think where both of us ever thought he'd go. So fair play to him. But yeah, I, this was this was a card with some fantastic performances, which you get to in a second. Uh, I thought Lewis was even one of them, and you know Bilal as well in ways was one of them. But then Wonderboy and Darkus, God Almighty, what, what did you think of the main event? Was that your yeah. thoughts on it as well, or was it like I was d- it just me? I don't know if I don't know if Dawkins came in scared of the power of Lewis, or he got hit with like a small shot uh, early that kind of made him feel the power more than maybe it looked on the TV, and he was just like, "Oh shit!" Because yeah, he looked afraid. <laughs> um, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, that definitely couldn't have been the game plan. And um, I think I, I think probably he either was afraid of the power or he felt the power and, you know, uh, just didn't react well. He, he fought scared, I think. Uh, like obviously, Lewis is a vicious puncher and when, he's, when he smells blood and has you heard, he really comes with some huge haymaker combinations and, you know, they would take anybody out. But before that, yeah, I think... Uh, he, he he looked really uncomfortable out there. Uh, Doc Docus looked really uncomfortable out there, and was basically just afraid of the power of Lewis and basically froze in in, in the fight and just didn't do anything that he was most likely training to do. Yeah, and like I I spoke about this fight beforehand and said like if Chris Docus wins this, he puts himself in line to be like the next in line after. The Ganya Inganu John Jones triangle gets sorted out, but now the fact that he's lost this, you know, and Derek Lewis has won it. Derek's only lost to Ganya in his last six fights. You know, he's beaten Blades, beaten yeah, Alex, and, he, and he knocks it. He's got the knockout record now as well, which yeah. is you know obviously uh, a good selling point as well. And like Derek Lewis, or, uh, even casual MMA fans, that they, they remember at least one or two big, big Derek Derek Lewis knockouts, and you know he's obviously slim down a bit and become a bit more uh, solid uh, we, we kind of discussed it in the past maybe that's not good for him but you know this is a big win for Derek Lewis yeah I thought uh, it was great yeah yeah so great. yeah uh, you know it took a bit of time maybe to, to kind of um, um, I don't know adjust, develop his yeah, game adjust game, his game yeah, that's what I'm looking for yeah. adjust his game to this but it, like if this performance is anything to go by and maybe, maybe it isn't because of how Chris Dock has fought but uh yeah, Derek Lewis, like, you know, he's, he's like, wouldn't rule him out at all, especially at heavyweight. Like, you never know what could happen. Like, if he went in yeah. there against anybody and lands, lands a couple of them big haymakers, it's it's night-night. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I, I, I do think as well that um, they're not maybe mutually exclusive, the performances of both guys, obviously, in the same fight. But I think it was a bad performance and a good performance. You know, bad by Doc is good by, by Lewis. And, um, yeah, he looked brilliant. I thought he looked really, really good. Even that switch kick he threw, he threw a high kick at one stage. Look fit, look up for it. You know, it'd be easy as well for a guy who just lost to Ganya. You know, his title aspirations are gone, you know. But in heavyweight, you know, you're one way away and we're already talking about it again. That's that's just what heavyweight is. Um, it could have been easy for him to phone it in, but he fucking didn't. And he came prepared, he came ready, and he got a brilliant knockout. So all credit to, to Derek Lewis and, you know... Um, Maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't have started off by criticizing Dawkins, although I think he deserves criticism. But uh, Derek Lewis definitely deserves more applauds than, than any criticism for Dawkins. So fair play to him. Um, 
Other than that, I caught up with the rest of the card. I, was, I, I went to bed last night. My sleeping pattern is back to normal, so I said I'd watch it in the morning. I watched this whole main card in the space of about an hour and a half or less even. And do you know what? It was very good, very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed the card an awful lot. Yeah. Um, Without the pacing of like ad after ad and promo. God, and, it's brilliant. Oh. Any of it. it was brilliant. I, Angela Hill versus Lemos. I thought this was the best performance of Angela Hill's career. I thought she was I thought, I thought she won the second and third. Did you? I, I, I had it for Lemos, to be honest. I thought she landed... A little bit more shots. I, I did think Kill won the second. Um, I think the third was close, but I just think Lemos landed the little bit clearer, more concise shots. Um, but it was close. You know, a split decision. I know one judge had a 30-27 Lemos, which I wouldn't necessarily disagree with either. I think the second was close, but I would give oh, it to Hill. Oh, that second round. Yeah, no. I, I think the second round, uh, I, I definitely gave Hill. The third round is the one where, like, oh, this could go either way. But I, I did think Hill, you know, not much happened in terms of huge, huge impactful strikes, and I thought Hill did enough. But it was one of them ones where you're like, "Oh, this this could go either way." And uh, when I heard thirty twenty seven, I was like, "Oh." This, uh, this third round as well was had a very interesting bit, and uh, you know, the judging aficionados out there, there was a shot, a spinning kind of elbow by Hill at one stage, where and I think it was with about thirty seconds left, and Limos fell, but then got straight back up, popped straight back yeah, up. Yeah. That. That is the start of one, right, where we, we if you're a judge in that situation, right, and you're saying, did that land? Did she stumble? Was it kind of like a shoulder and she kind of fell down? What was it? You probably didn't see it land if you're at a certain angle. When you're the judge in that position, you look at Lemos's reaction. You look at the impact it had on her. And when you saw Lemos, if anyone's going back watching this and you're thinking if it landed, if it didn't land, forget about that. Look at the next five seconds afterwards. Lemos got back she up. looked like nothing happened. Looked like nothing happened whatsoever. So if you're a judge and that one strike, if Lemos had wobbled around, I probably would have been given this 29-28 hill. Everyone else or probably would have been given Or if she even started backing away or anything yeah. like that. Like. Yeah, so that reaction, I think, won Lemos this fight. I honestly do. That one reaction to that one shot, I think, won her this fight. And that's a very, very kind of intricate piece of judging, I think. But the big judges and the best judges will look at that. And I think we'll uh, we'll. we'll score it that way but a very very close fight that front kick to the face earlier by Lima's beautiful for Hill to fight back from that she was putting on the pressure landing the better shots at, at, at lots of stages because Lima's was just looking for that one big shot and uh, she wasn't finding it for large stages and Hill was was jabbing her up and doing different things I thought Hill looked absolutely phenomenal here and um, you know we in the past we talked about Hill as well maybe being a little bit overrated but you know she, I don't think we can call her overrated anymore after this performance but she doesn't always give these performances as well at the same time um but um, you know, valiant effort in defeat against someone who's eleven and one now and is, is moving up through that division. So good stuff from both of them. Very very good fight. I enjoyed that an awful lot. Um, didn't read Ricky Simon versus Rafael Asenso. My biggest takeaway from this was Ricky Simon came out and kicked him right in the dick, a completely. And I'll say this without any hesitation. A completely on purpose kick in the dick. He just came right up through the middle and punted him right in the fucking Johnson. Like, this was the most obvious. And Chris Sione's like, oh, no, he didn't mean it. We all know. You know, he knows. We all know he didn't mean it. He did fucking mean it. He, How can you come out after one second and fucking punt the lad right in the balls? Like, 
this, what did you, I know you're usually on my side of this argument and this one, Gray. What, what did you think? I thought it was awful. Yeah, I, I think uh, you probably did do it on purpose, but I think, you know, I've said it before, if the refs are going to let you get away with a foul or two, <laughs> you know, Fair why play not take, side. <laughs> you know, why not take it? Like, it's kind of like in soccer, like, you know, if you're, if your center forward goes out and kicks somebody in the first two minutes of a big game, the ref's not going to send them off. Yeah, it's true. Should we, 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 like, we've seen it down through the years and. Paul Scholes used to be the master of it. You know, he used to tackle a lad and everyone's like, oh, Paul Scholes can't tackle. But yeah. All yeah the- Paul Scholes can't tackle. He's absolutely filled back. Yeah, yeah, but Paul Scholes could tackle brilliantly. He just chose in the first 10 minutes of the fight, a fight of the the match not to be able to tackle very well. He used to leave a marker on people in every single game. You, 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 how many you know times? who was actually the master at it? David yeah. Batty. He actually managed oh, to like yeah. never get sent off. Like I think he might get sent off once at the end Skulls, of his career. Or, or maybe Skulls very never. rarely sent off either. But like. he was an absolute hacker and just somehow just knew how to skate the exact line of, of getting sent off. You know who's good for these as well? I'll, and I give credit to Liverpool, Thiago. He's the dirtiest player in the Premier League by a country mile. That fucker is always I think his I think his, uh, his fouls are like particularly like cynical but yeah. I actually was surprised <laughs> to see that he's like he's like between like 100 and 150 in terms of most fouls That's because he, he doesn't play as much as other people, does he? He's Yeah, but you know, even like taking into account all the other players that are kind of mixed in and out as well I thought he'd be, you know, uh, much higher. Yeah, he's a dirty bastard. But just because you you remember his ones, could be, he pulls his funny faces after as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a dirty old bastard. But anyway, fuck him. Uh, but anyway, in this fight, um, Asunsao got uh, got knocked out. Um, another guy who's kind of been a yardstick in in the division for a long time and probably on on his way down now as well. Uh, a nice window for Ricky Simon. He got lovely right hook, lovely uppercut, lovely finish, good stoppage as well by uh, by the referee in this one. So. Yeah, I've no problem with that one at all, uh, apart from the kick in the dick. Um, Matthias Gamros against Diego Fajer. I look, This one, to me, the, the commentary was, uh, and I didn't hear the commentary all night because I watched it back, which is a fucking relief. Uh, they were very, very complimentary of Fajer in this one, and saying nothing about Gamrat. I thought Gamrat was dominating this fight for large periods, to be honest. They were like, oh, he's slowing down in in the second. I thought Fajer slowed down an awful lot more. Like, Gamrat wants to fight a slower fight. So for him, the fight slowing down is actually an advantage. I thought it was, I, I thought it was a bit bizarre, but the finish... I don't know. I, I don't think it was... And maybe people came out in the press conference and said it afterwards or something that I didn't hear. They were saying it was the knee to the body. I actually think it was the takedown that hurt him and maybe he hurt his hip or something. Um, I don't think it was a knee to the body that actually finished him. What did, what did you think, Graham? What did, what did you think of the finish here in Gamera's? I couldn't actually... Yeah, I tried to look at the, the replays they were showing and I thought it might have been like getting a leg caught under or twisting a leg or an ankle or something, but I couldn't really see anything. So, yeah, uh, something must have, must have popped or twisted or something, but I, I couldn't... In the replays they showed, I couldn't see see what happened. Yeah, look, a good win for Gamera, though. I think he was on his way to win in the fight anyway. And, uh, you know, he caused the damage, and when you, someone gets damaged and they can't continue, you win the fight. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. It wasn't like, uh, well, maybe it was a freak injury or something like that, but I, it didn't seem to be. I think it was either from the takedown or maybe it was from that knee. Maybe uh, maybe he broke a rib or something like that. Um, and if it was, what a fucking shot that was. So fair, fair play to the camera either way. But, uh, yeah, um, a, a good performance, if not if a bit of an odd finish. Um, then we had Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins opening up the card. Unfortunately, you know, Darren Elkins... Herb Dean was reffing this fight, actually. So I, I was expecting to go on for maybe another 13 minutes or so. But Cub Swanson is a really bad matchup for Darren Elkins, if we if we think about it. 
like he just throws so many shots early, so many different shots and catches you an awful lot. Um, and he just did. He caught Elkins over and over and over. Hurt him a couple of times and Elkins came back. Herb gave him chances. Uh, but in the end, it was just too much. That wheel kick was absolutely beautiful. Landed it right on the right on the money on the temple. Landed a few shots after it. And I, look, it was a good stoppage by Herb. Make, make no mistake about that. Um, and a good win for for Cubs fans. I know you you're not the biggest Cub fan in the world, but I I, I like Cub. I think it's, it's not that I'm not a fan of his fighting or anything. Mm-hmm. I just uh, when people were kind of talking about how good he was, I I just never agreed. Kind of like similar to Tony Ferguson. Like I enjoy watching Tony Ferguson fight, and, and like I you know enjoy him as a personality sometimes as well and all that. But it's just. The similar with Cubs Swanson, where I, I just never rated him as highly as maybe a lot of other people rated him. Yeah, but in this fight, you know, he he did he did brilliant. You know, you got you, you really got to put it on Darren Elkins to finish him. He showed how tough he is again. You know, a lot of guys would have would have curled up in a ball or, or you know been knocked out from that barrage from Cubs Swanson, and he kept trying, kept trying, and had to be saved by Herb Dean. And I agree with you; it was a good stoppage. You know. Uh, We've seen Darren Elkins come back from a lot, but he he took a lot of damage there, and uh, it, it wasn't going to stop. So yeah, I, I think it was a good stoppage by Herb Dean. In fairness, you know he's he's made a lot of mistakes <laughs> recently, but uh, that was that was well done by two, Herb. Two good stoppages and two cards. It's like, oh Jesus, Herb! It's not like you, not like you. But uh, yeah, usually refs have all good yeah, stoppages. This award is giving him the confidence. Uh, he yeah, needs a confidence yeah. game. You know, referee and the uh, confidence, the <laughs> momentum, <laughs> recognition. Oh, just, it means everything. God Almighty, if it is. We're in a bad fucking uh, or in a bad place, but anyway, um, yeah, so good performance by Cobb. Darnell can see me back, he'll be back. Uh, undercard, then not look, it wasn't the best undercard in the world, some some good finishing, things like that. Um, the Melissa Gatto Sajara Eubanks one was a nice body kick and finish. Sajara Eubanks kind of acted as if she wasn't finished and kept holding the leg. Uh, to Gerald Mershart rear naked choke against Stoffel, so yeah, good comeback, good yeah. Comeback, yeah, yeah. yeah. He needed to finish in the third round. His corner told him that and told him no more guillotines after he he'd unsuccessfully gone for about five. Uh, but yeah, he, he got the rear naked choke uh, finish. Uh, good come from, come from behind victory. Uh, you know, uh, he may not be the best fighter, but he's definitely game and, and tough and keeps going. And, you know, fair play to him here. Uh, Justin Taffa as well. What do uh, you think of that finish? With the, the, the blocked head kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see here in the topology you'd have a TKO KO head kick. How can it, how can it be a head kick KO when he never kicked him in the head? Well, he kicked his his wrists into <laughs> into his head. He didn't kick him in the head. It's, it should be a wrist kick KO, not a head kick KO. He did not kick him <laughs> yeah. in the head. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's true. This was a. Uh, Do you remember before? Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Josh Koscheck was was a grounded opponent, and he, he uh, I can't remember who tried to knee him, and he put his hand up and like got oh, knee yeah. into into his own head. <laughs> it actually wasn't a foul, in my opinion, yeah. but it was given as a foul. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. that geez, that was a long. That used to be a massive thing at the time. I remember that. Yeah, geez, that was Josh Koscheck is one of those forgotten men of MMA, and he was pretty good. Like he was probably the second best welterweight in the world for a few years. But, uh, the aliens are coming, Diego. <laughs> fucking, what was your man's name? Um, oh, God. Like, what was the other lad's name? Did your man that almost died making weight? You remember Josh Koscheck, like, locked him in the sauna? Oh, oh God. Um, God. What was his name? Oh, somebody, Joe Lozon, fought him and absolutely destroyed him. And, uh, what was his name? Oh, God. Chris, Chris. Oh, I don't know. You look it up. Look up tough one cast oh, there. I can't you remember. Find out. But uh, I'll talk another bit about this. Yeah, this tough uh, one. 
I don't know. That Hunts, I don't know. I, look, it's very easy for me to say here. I wasn't the one getting kicked in the wrists. But uh, may, look, maybe one of the hands came on and he knocked himself out with his own hand. Maybe he didn't oh, like... Oh, sorry, you talking about Bobby, Bobby Southworth? Bobby really? Southworth or... is what I was talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had somebody else in mind. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, this 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 was a weird knockout to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I come on here and go, oh, yeah, look, he got the power in that kick, even though I was blocked. It was bull. I don't know. I feel like he gave up. He, he, he eaten a few water know. punches, and he, he, he had, I think, he kind of was like, get me out of here, man. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I th- yeah, I would agree with that. I think that was more than anything. I said, well, I've taken enough of them. Oh, he kicked me in the head. Oh, no, I got knocked out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I This is low. Five and three against seven and five. This is low-level heavyweight shit. So, um, yeah. And people talking about UFC quality. This is what we're looking at with UFC quality. I don't know. Anyway, Charles Charles Jordan against Andre Ull. I just kind of on in the background as I was watching KSW. But from what I saw, it was a pretty good fight. Uh, Charles Jordan won the unanimous decision. I'm a big fan of Andre Ull. I think he's a good fighter. And if you beat him, I think you're a good fighter as well. And uh, I think that's exactly what... Uh, what Jordan is. Pennington as well got a good guillotine choke in, in the third round, or in the second round, sorry, good stuff from her. Uh, nice KO by Dante Lemelez, and Jordan Levitt got an uh, inverted triangle choke. I actually haven't seen that, but I love a bit of an inverted triangle. What, what about, what, have you left the, the, the best to last area? What am I forgetting? The, the humping. Oh, the humping. <laughs> Who was that? Was that Dante Lemelez, was it? Yeah, Dante Lemelez. <laughs> Get up, get legit, up, get up, legit get up. strikes. <laughs> getting, that cup, getting that cup into his face and trusting it. Did, did you hear though? I put it out. Uh, someone asked a question about that a few months ago on the Q and A. It's like, should someone like uh, I B freely is his name over on Twitter? He asked me the question on the Q and A. Should should someone use their cup and their dick to land strikes? Yeah. Should they elevate? Yeah, like, yeah. exact question. You use it for arm bars, so you, yeah. you use the cup for arm bars. I, so I, why I, not use it for <laughs> strikes? I agreed with him. I I hundred percent agreed. I'll, I'll put. I'll, do you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll clip the audio so, and I'll uh, put uh, it in right on, here. When in arts opposition, the fighter on top should use his cup to annihilate the other fighter's face. Grind strikes may be prohibited, but strikes with the grind aren't, and fighters aren't taking advantage of it. I could not agree more. Dick punches should be allowed. And when I say dick punches, I mean punches with the dick, uh, as uh, I be freely as put out there. But they should, though. When you're in that position and you have the cup, and it's a, that's a fucking weapon. Like, if you jumped up and fucking grind smashed the lad right in the fucking nose, I'm sure that'd hurt. I'm sure it's all really bad. Like, you've seen people before putting their cup, like, right into people's faces and stuff. Yeah, use it as a strike. Smash it. I like that. I'm not sure if it went out. Uh, the meta uh, game Speaker's Corner podcast. Yeah. Is that kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the meta game. We've discovered the, the, <laughs> the, the new meta game. The meta game, yeah. Dick punches to the fucking... And not dick punches, punches with the dick. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what... Uh, that's what MMA is all about. They were effective. They landed. They're effective strikes. So, very good thing. Dante Mays. I actually didn't even see the fight, to be honest, because I was, I don't know what I was doing. But, uh, yeah, I, I go back and watch that because he's a fucking legend. Team Sheehan. If you're throwing dick punches, you're Changing the game. Changing, Changing the, game. the game. Changing the game. Changing the game. So, you're, like, you know, second second prelim of the day. Of yeah. the <laughs> Heavyweight, and we, we see the game being changed. <laughs> yeah, being changed. <laughs> changed with the game. For fuck's sake. <laughs> It's a bit humiliating as well having that happen to you as well. Demoralizing. <laughs> oh Jesus! Imagine that. What you do last night? How'd the fight go? Oh well, I got fucking dick punched in the face. Oh, not great. <laughs> to be honest, the only way you can do that is if you win. He didn't even win. Then he got fucking elbows of crucifix. Imagine if he'd finished him that way. 
what would it what would it have said in typology in Sherlock? It's like TKO dick <laughs> dick punch. I know, I need cup that to strikes happen. Cup to face, strikes. I don't know. Cup cup to nose. Anyway, uh Derek Lewis threw his cup out as well. I think someone else suggested someone should have filled it with beer and drank from it <laughs> from the ground. That would have been a bit uh disgusting. But anyway, KSW, let's finish it up on this. Um a good KSW card again. I'm sure, uh, you know, Sean Linney will be tweeting out about it and everything like that. The top three fights. Uh, actually, uh, Michael Kidd had one as well on the undercard. Robert Szymanski got a, a good win there. But Damien Stesiak lost the unanimous decision uh, to Loam Ali. Uh, and the top two, Daniel Torres against Saladin Paranas. I actually, I like missed the middle of this because the, the KSW website went down, I think, or it went down for me anyway, and my internet didn't go down or anything, so I don't know what happened. But I don't think I missed much, to be honest. Paranas was just dominating this fight. Um, obviously lost to Torres in his last fight and came out and uh, you know, put on a show here didn't really take much got put in his back a couple of times um, but had a very safe good performance I think and um, you know he, he's going to move on now 16-1 and one. Fringe, some good wins you know yeah. Bushinger Sawinski uh, Martin uh, I'm going to butcher all these um, these Polish names but he's also fought uh, Morgan Charrier and beaten him you know he's he's got some good wins on his on his record and he's what what is he now 16 and 16, 16 1, 1 yeah. and 1 you know, 24, up 24 well. years old yeah, yeah. yeah big, big, I think big, he's big a real prospect yeah, and if uh, if the UFC are going to France, I'm sure he'll be one of the first names they're looking at uh, to sign. But maybe KSW could go to France as well. They're all, always on about moving, doing different things in different places. So we will see with that one. But a great win from here. I don't know if they're doing the trilogy now or not. Maybe not after the way Torres won the won the first fight. It, it was a legitimate knockout, but it was a bit it was a bit lucky as well. I mean, let's be honest. Um, and in the main event, what what a what a fucking fight this was Mamet Kaladov might be the youngest 41 year old man on planet earth he came out here and he was just light on the feet landing his shots moving all over the place uh, and I think he did that on purpose because obviously Saldish was coming up and way of putting on muscle he looked very very muscular here um, and there was a, a part it was, was it yeah it was the second round where I was like, and it was just before the knockout, I was like, Saldish is getting tired here. If this keeps going, if this goes longer, a Kaladov... You're pressured up against the cage, you're like, oh, yeah. oh. And then left us. Yeah, and then just that, he landed a couple before it, and I was like, oh, maybe there isn't as much on those shots. And then I was like, well, maybe there fucking is. And he landed a massive left hook, as I predicted. I predicted the left hook KO. Uh, he landed it, and he put Kaladov to sleep. A couple of coffinels for good measure. Um... Brilliant win, a massive, massive win for Roberto Soldic. Moves on now. He says he wants to go up to light heavyweight and become a three-weight champion. And you know what? You you probably wouldn't rule him out. This guy is one of the best fighters in the world. KSW, Bellator, UFC, PFL, doesn't matter where. This guy is legitimate. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fighter. I, I, I'd I like, love to see him fight Sean Brady. I think that'd be a fucking brilliant fight. I'd love to see something like that. Just two absolute beasts going at it. Um, but yeah, I, I hopefully he'll get to the UFC someday. I think, look, he's done a lot in KSW now, fought all of their best guys and stuff. Maybe he wants to, I, I don't, I, do you know what? I actually don't think going up the light heavyweight would be a good idea. Just because if you put on more muscle, it's going to be hard to get rid of that, to get back down to 170. So I think now maybe leave it at that. Go back to 170, maybe have a couple of fights in KSW or not, or just, you know, if he can get to the UFC. I know he gets paid very well in KSW and they all do. So maybe he's going to stay there. Maybe he's going to be a lifer like Khalidov. 
But uh, yeah, and for Kaladov, how about how about Kaladov versus Fedor? Let, let's make that happen. Come on, Bellator, sign him up for one fight. Fedor's last ever fight, Russia. I know Kaladov's fighting a middleweight here, but he can fight a heavyweight. Be grand. Yeah, Fedor loves fighting people way smaller than him, way bigger than him. He doesn't mind. He can fight anybody. Yeah, he, fight- he can be nine foot tall, and he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's happy out, yeah. Fedor won't care. And- yeah. Kaladov fucking he'll fight anybody either, as well he so. will, yeah. he will. what do you think of this one Nasaldic is just he's a beast isn't he yeah and this is a, this is a really big win and a very impressive finish and you know uh, I'm not exactly sure how much KSW are, are paying their guys maybe Sean Denny uh, the encyclopedia of uh, KSW will, will, will know but uh well, no, approximately, but, you know, it seems to be a lot because it, it is keeping these guys, uh, you know, these guys aren't pushing again to the UFC, so they seem happy enough here. But for the UFC, I think they, they'd be beneficial, you know. They could be big draws uh, for UFC to go do shows around that area. Uh, you know, KSW have shown and uh, how much, how uh, good the, the audience and the fan base is over there. So, uh, you know, the UFC seem happy enough at the moment to do, like, you know, most of their shows in the, the apex, but I'm sure once once they get back on the road and kind of get back to normality, I'm sure you know they'll be looking at uh, guys like this to, to sign. But you know, it'll be interesting to see if KFW, KSW have the the clout to to keep them because you know uh, they don't they, they don't want to be ready in guys for the UFC and they don't want their their best fighters and champions going to the UFC. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right, um, we we will leave it there. So no card next week. There's no there's a rising card coming up in twelve days time. I'm looking here in Tabology, and there's no card in. There's one championship, KSW, uh, and UFC coming up in twenty seven days time. So it's a long, long way away now before uh, the next big card. This uh, this rising card is not bad. Kaya Sukura is on it against uh, Tinta Takizawa, and uh, Nikai Inoue is on it, and a few more as well. But um, you know, you know, it's not not massive um so yeah so that that's basically it for us for the year but we will be back obviously every fucking week with patreon with um every sunday we'll have a podcast as usual and they're going to be really really fun podcasts um patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast if you haven't signed up yet it's a perfect time to do it buy for someone for christmas you know, be a great Christmas present. If you forgot, if you're an MMA fan in your life, you're like, oh, look, here's here's Patreon. There you go. I'll, I'll sign up and I'll pay it for you. It's only a fiver a month. Here's a year-long Christmas present. There you go. So, um, be absolutely fantastic. But uh, thanks, everyone, for all the support during the year. You've been fucking brilliant. Um, we It's not like we're going away and we won't be back until fucking the end of January. But we will, we'll be on every so often doing different things and talking and stuff. But we have a bit of a break now over Christmas as well, so... Uh, much needed and I'm sure everyone else needs it as well enjoy your Christmas be careful don't drink and drive or go fucking mad doing anything uh, you have to be in by fucking 8 o'clock anyway so you can't do much but um, thanks to everyone in, in Ireland in the UK in America in Australia Canada all across the world we've <coughs> great listenership everywhere and we uh, we really really appreciate you Graham any, any words for the people before we go Merry Christmas to everyone yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for all the support. Uh, thanks to the, the Severe MMA team for all their work this year and to you, Sean, as well. A lot of work been put in and uh, we appreciate, obviously, everybody that supports us and watches and likes and shares all the content and all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, another good year in the books. Thank you, Graham. Onwards and upwards for Severe Mates. Some great things uh, happening, some great things coming and uh, long may it continue for real, real independent proper journalism as we're uh, trying to do here on this one about something so uh yeah we'll leave it there for the year thanks everyone for listening graham do you have an inspirational quote in the sun do you well, I, have a, I, have a, I have a marcy quote <laughs> okay go on a smith's quote okay 
if I seem a little strange, well, that's because I am. Uh, perfect. We'll see you next uh, Sunday. It won't be Tuesday. It'll be <laughs> Sunday. Good luck, everyone. Bye.